It's a great honor uh, for me to uh, introduce Ha Jin, but I, I want to begin by thanking uh, Carol for inviting me to do this and allowing me to have this honor. Um, you know, from rarely, um, but it happens from time to time, uh, a novelist um, writer comes along who manages to um, uh, completely um, embarrass um, all the other uh, writers in the country that he or she is writing in uh, uh, because they write in a language that is their second language in a way that is far superior to all the writers to whom it's their first language. Um, there are two writers uh, who come to mind uh, for me, especially in this regard. One is Nabokov, of course, and the other is Hajin. Um, and it really is an extraordinary thing um, just reading through the most recent book of stories, which we're going to uh, talk about, um, I would come across sentence after sentence, and uh, I would think to myself, my God, you know, this is somebody who didn't really start writing in English until late in the game, and here is, um, you know, um, uh, insects were churring timidly as if short of breath, and it's like, wow. Why can't I write? You know, it's like, uh, uh, where, did, where are these sentences coming from? Um, of course, one is not just uh, blown away in, in Hajin's um, fiction by um, his extraordinary use of language, but, um, but the delights that he takes uh, in, in plot, um, which he doesn't despise, um, and, uh, and in, uh, and in a, um, a traditional telling of a story, uh, that engages you right uh, from the first page. The stories in this collection, which we're going to talk about later, are uh, all concentrated in, in one place, uh, uh, Flushing in, in New York, which is home to um, uh, an extraordinarily immigrant, uh, Chinese immigrant community, but I'm sure Hajin will tell you more about that himself. Um, Hajin, as you all know, was, was born in, in China, um, he uh, uh, joined the People's Liberation Army during the Cultural Revolution, um, began to educate himself in Chinese literature at 16. He left the army when he was 19. All of you, I'm sure, most of you have read Waiting and are familiar with, uh, uh, with, with that novel and how it concentrates around his early experiences. Um, he got a, his first degree in English studies in China, um, uh, and a master's degree in Anglo-American literature in Shandong University. Um, and then uh, he was at Brandeis uh, on a scholarship in uh, 1989 when uh, Tiananmen Square occurred. Um, and this uh, uh, hastened his decision to emigrate to the United States and was perhaps behind, he can talk about this more, his choice to, to write in English, and he eventually obtained a, a PhD here. He, as you all know, um, uh, he's won uh, numerous um, awards, including the National Book Award for Waiting in 1999. Uh, he's won... Uh, the Flannery O'Connor Award for Short Fiction, the Hemingway Foundation Award, the Guggenheim Fellowship, the Penn Faulkner Award, um, twice. Um, he's a fellow of the American Academy of Arts and Sciences. He's the author of numerous books, um, uh, four collections of short stories, including this most recent, A Good Fall, um, five novels, uh, books of poetry, 
Um, uh, and all in all, he's, uh, as you know, one of the most uh, extraordinary and distinguished writers that uh, we have in America today. And it is a, a great honor for me to uh, introduce him as he's going to read. Thank you. Thank you for coming. And I'm supposed to read uh, some pages, and then uh, uh, Jonathan and I will have a brief conversation. I hope you will have questions so that we can have some uh, conversation as well. And uh, I'm going to read the first piece, uh, first short stories in this collection. Uh, it is very short, and in fact, it is not uh, by itself maybe not a complete story. Uh, but uh, it functions as a prelude to the whole project. So that, that is one of the beauties uh, in writing a book for collection of stories uh, as a project. So in, in such a book, stories usually uh, take position to support each other. And in, in other words, uh, a lot of stories may not be strong by themselves, but once they take a position in, in the book, uh, they contribute to support other stories. And, uh, this is one of that kind of story. Uh, so it functions to set up the time and the place and also some thematic uh, uh, notes. Uh, uh, this one is called uh, The Ban of the Internet. Uh, by the way, all the stories are set in Flushing, uh, New York. That is one of the uh, major immigrant uh, community uh, for Chinese, Koreans, and a lot of uh, Europeans, a lot of Jews used to live there too. Uh, the ban of the internet. My sister Yu Qi and I used to write each other letters. It took more than 10 days for the mail to reach Sichuan, and usually I wrote her once a month. After Yu Qi married, she was often in trouble but I no longer thought about her every day. Five years ago, her marriage began falling apart. Her husband started an affair with his female boss and sometimes came home reeling drunk. One night, he beat and kicked Yuqin so hard he miscarried. At my suggestion, she filed for divorce. Afterward, she lived alone and seemed content. I urged her to find another man because she was only 26, but she said she was done with the man for this life. Capable and with a degree in graphic design, she has been doing well and even bought her own apartment four years ago. I sent her $2,000 to help her with the down payment. Last fall, she began emailing me. At first, it was exciting to chat with her every night. We stopped writing letters. I even stopped writing to my parents because she lived near them and can report to them. Recently, she said she wanted to buy a car. I had misgivings about that, though she had already paid off her mortgage. Our hometown is small. You can cross by bicycle in half an hour, a car was not a necessity for her. It's too expensive to keep an automobile there. The gas, the insurance, 
the registration, the maintenance, the tolls cost a fortune. I told her I didn't have a car, even though I had to commute to work from Brooklyn to Flushing. But she got it into her head that she must have a car because most of her friends drove a car. She wrote, "I won't let that man see how well I'm doing." She was referring to her ex-husband. I urged her to wipe him out of her mind as if he had never existed. Indifference is the strongest contempt. For a few weeks, she didn't raise the topic again. Then she told me she had just passed the road test, bribing the officer with 500 yuan, in addition to the 3,000 yuan paid as the application and test fees. She emailed sister, "I must have a car." Yesterday, Mimin, our little niece, came to town driving a brand new Volkswagen. At the sight of that gorgeous machine, I felt like a dozen owls. Was stabbing my heart. Everybody is doing better than me, and I don't want to live anymore. I realized she didn't simply want to impress her ex; she too had caught the national auto mania. I told her that was ridiculous, nuts. I knew she had some savings; she got a big bonus at the end of each year, and freelanced at night. How had she become so vain and so unreasonable? I urged her to be rational. That was impossible, she claimed, because everybody drove a car in our hometown. I said she was not everybody and mustn't follow the trend. She wouldn't listen and asked me to remit her money as a loan. She already had a tidy sum in the bank, about eighty thousand yuan. She confessed. Then why couldn't she just go ahead and buy a car if that was what she wanted? She replied, "You don't get it, sister. I cannot drive a Chinese model. If I did, people would think I am cheap and laugh at me. Chinese and、uh, Japanese and German cars are too expensive for me, so I might get a Hyundai Elantra or a Ford Focus." Please lend me ten thousand dollars. I'm begging you to help me out. That was insane. Foreign cars are double priced in China. A Ford Taurus sells for two hundred fifty thousand yuan in our home home province of Sichuan, more than thirty thousand dollars. I told Yu Qin an automobile was just a vehicle. No need to be fancy. She must drop her vanity. Certainly. I wouldn't lend her the money because that might amount to hitting a dog with a meatball. Nothing would come back. <laughs> so I said no. As it is, I'm still <laughs> renting and had to save for the down payment on a small apartment somewhere in Queens. My family always assumes that I can pick up cash right and left here. No matter how、uh, how hard I explain, they can't see how awful my job at the sushi house is. I waitress ten hours a day, seven days a week. My legs are swollen when I punched out at 10 p.m. I might never be able to buy an apartment at all.
I'm eager to leave my job and start something of my own, a snack bar, or a nail salon, or a video store. I must save every penny. For two weeks, Yu Qian and I argued. How I hated the email exchanges! Every morning, I flicked on the computer and saw a new message from her. Sometimes three or four. I often thought of ignoring them, but if I did, I'd fidget at work, as if I had eaten something that had upset my stomach. If only I had pretended I'd never gotten her email at the outset, so that we could have continued writing letters. I used to believe that in the United States, you could always reshape your relationships with the people back home. You could restart your life on your own terms, but the internet had spoiled everything. My family is able to get hold of me whenever they like. <laughs> they might as well live nearby. <laughs> Four days ago, Yu Qin sent me this message: "Elder sister, since you refused to help me, I decided to act on my own." At any rate, at any rate, I must have a car. Please don't be mad at me. Here's a website you should take a look at. I was late for work, so I didn't visit the site. For the whole day, I kept wondering what she was up to, and my left eyelid twitched nonstop. <laughs> she might have solicited donations. She was impulsive and could get outrageous. When I came back that night and turned on my computer, I was flabbergasted to see that she had put out an ad on a popular site. She announced, "Healthy young woman ready to offer you her organs in order to buy a car, <laughs> willing to sell any part as long as I still can drive thereafter. <laughs> Contact me." And let us talk. She listed her phone number, an email address. I wondered if she wasn't just bluffing. Perhaps she was. On the other hand, she was such a hothead that for a damned car, she might not hesitate to sell a kidney, or a cornea, or a piece of a liver. I couldn't help but call her names while rubbing my forehead. I had to do something right away. Someone might take advantage of the situation and sign a contract with her. She was my only sibling. If she messed up her life, there'd be nobody to care for our old parents. If I was living near them, I might have called her bluff. But now there was no way out. I wrote her back. All right, my idiot sister, I will lend you ten thousand dollars. Remove your ad from the website now. In a couple of minutes, she returned. Thank you. Gonna take it off right away. I know you are the only person I can rely on in the whole world. I responded. I lent you the money I made by working my ass off. You must pay it back within two years. I have kept a hard copy of our email exchanges, so don't assume you can write off the loan. She came back. Got it. Have a nice dream, sister. She added a smile sigh. <laughs> get out! Of, get out of my face! I muttered.
If only I could shut her out of my life for a few weeks. If only I could go somewhere for some peace and quiet. So this is the first piece. Thank you. It's a wonderful story.、Uh, it leads into something I wanted to begin by asking you. In in most of the stories,、um, someone can't get their family out of their business. Sure, yes.、Yeah. And frequently, that family is in China, but feels as if they are in Flushing.、Uh, and I wondered if you could talk a little about that as.、Um, Uh, as a sort of inspiration for you, and as a as a point of conflict that works in the fiction, because it appears a lot in the stories that relationship between the home country and the immigrants in Flushing. Yes, also in in a larger sense, it's the the present and the past, also the new land, the old land.、Uh, but because of the, the time, also the new technologies. And we have airplane and the internet. All these things shorten the distance. Space doesn't mean as much as before. Nowadays, we can basically we can follow everything that go, <laughs> uh, uh, happens yeah, in the old land. So as if the old land is still in the present, that automatically would reshape,、uh, reformulate、uh, immigrants' relationship with the past, with the old place. It's very hard to escape. Nowadays, it's very hard to to avoid,、uh, you know, your own people, your own land. I think there was a, the United States used to be the the land where you can you can、uh, turn new page, you can always restart. But I think it's harder now. It's getting harder and harder. <laughs> so, so that in that sense, the、um, the sort of cultural pressure from China to behave a certain way in the United States is stronger now. Than before, because in a, in a lot of、yeah. your stories, the values of old China are impinging upon these young people or immigrants who are trying to make it in a different way.、Um, like in this wonderful story where you talk about、um, the、uh, wartime couples who yeah, are sure,、yeah. who are couples. Well, maybe you、yeah. could explain、uh, who who they are and、uh, but, who, and who, but who are being spied upon essentially from China. Yes, yes,、yeah. and that this. I think a wartime couple is、uh, there is a term in Chinese called "kangzhenfuqi" that refers to to the woman、mm. and the man whose spouses could not come to the states. Then they live together, cohabit here,、uh, as a way to uh, to uh, help each other and also to reduce uh, 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 living cost. And but very often. After living together for a period of time, people got attached to each other. There, also, there are also men who took advantage of the situation,、um, sleeping with different women as a way <laughs>、uh, <laughs> to become a world couple uh, uh, constantly. <laughs> And but I think because a lot of because of immigration, that part of experience,、uh, the spouses very often are left behind. So as a result, in the new place, man and woman they try to figure out a, a way、uh, to reduce their loneliness, to make life more bearable, because people are really lonely and fearful. I think that's another emotion.、Uh, a lot of immigrants are, are fearful 
because they lost the, the frame of the, or damaged the frame of reference uh, in a new place, language, culture, uh, uh, culture, religion, a uh, lot of things, law, a lot of things were, uh, are alien to them. As a result, they are very fearful. So very often they need, they need another person in their life. And so that's the source of the trouble because the, at the same time, they are very often, often loaded with guilt uh, to everybody, to people, to the spouse uh, and the children, spouses and children back home, and also to the person they basically they live with. Uh, that's the, the situation. I don't think there's a right or wrong here. There's only, that's the life. Uh, as a writer, we're supposed just to make a story of it. There has been... Lot of there have been a lot of articles about this. Every peer, every year or two, there will be an article in, Ch- in the Chinese uh, language newspaper talking about these these kind of people. And uh, and in your story, it, it remains um, ambiguous. Uh, yes. Who has snitched uh, back to the family in China to the? It's spouse. very hard to tell. You yeah. don't you don't know in the story, but. Mm. It reminded me of what you're describing, whether it's the internet or whatever, the connection, something you do several thousand miles away in Queens uh, has ramifications back, yes. in, back in China. Nowadays, it's very hard to hide anymore. It's, uh, whatever you do here will be known to your people back home. <laughs> one, one of the stories that I, I found um, very uh, close to my heart because it dealt with... Um, what to do, how to get rid of a mother-in-law. It's uh, <laughs> annoying you. Um, I, I look to it for advice, but um, nothing. Um, was this a, a, a wonderful story um, that I wanted to ask you about in which the, the mother-in-law has come on a visit from China, and uh, she's pretty much telling her son how yes. he should go about living yeah. his life. And mm. the son... Um, it's caught between his wife yeah. and his mother-in-law uh, in, a, in a way that was, I thought, quite um, unusual and instructive, but perhaps more commonplace. This is what I'd like you to talk about in the, in the Chinese immigrant community, to the degree that he can't really fight for his, you know, uh, for his wife. He doesn't confront directly his mother-in-law no. for quite a long time. And in fact, he takes himself off and sleeps by himself in his own room so sure. as not to have to deal with them. Yeah. And I wondered about this sort of power of the Chinese mother um, ah, okay. in relation to the power of the, of the wife. Because uh, she's very strong in this yes. story. I, I think it's a typical Chinese mother-in-law. And, and <laughs> fact, there, often I come across uh, complaints written by women on the Internet. A lot of people talk about their mother-in-law and mother-in-laws, and whenever an old woman is is coming, uh, you know, the the wife, uh, the daughter-in-law will be uh, scared. <laughs> so people, there are different groups. They talk about this. A lot of women, they they talk, they they gripe constantly. But I never heard of a man. I never saw a man complain. But I'm, I'm sure men, <laughs> the husbands are in trouble too right? because it's, it's more miserable in a way, right? Because you don't know where to place your, uh, your support. And so that's how I, I began to, to figure out how to tell, uh, to make a story from a, a man's point of view. The mother, of course, it's not just a mother. There is a, 
uh, she embodies a, a, a whole set of values, and the man is, is afraid to confront. Yeah. And, and also, in many countries, mother is a country, motherland, <laughs> and it's, it's hard to deal. I think beyond parents or grandparents, there's always the, the country as a big power looming behind these small people. I think that I feel always feel that way. Uh, so the country is a big project, a big power uh, in the background. So the, that's why the mother is always somehow empowered mm. until she realized the son now, or, or she was <laughs> she believed the son now is in trouble. He lost his job. Yeah, and they trick her. Yeah, they trick her. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I I. In a lot of the um, stories, people are having a pretty tough life. Yes. And there are a lot of unscrupulous people who are taking advantage yes, of yes, them. Yeah. They've got to pay smugglers' fees yes. for people who brought them into the country illegally. Yeah. Um, there are people ripping them off in various yeah. ways. And yet, in, your, in the final story, in the in lovely title mm. story, A Good uh, Fall, there's a kung fu instructor. He's a Buddhist monk. Yeah. He wants to kill himself, but when he attempts to, his kung fu prowess overtakes him, and he tumbles, and he lands on his feet. And, and uh, he breaks a couple of legs, but he's fine. But it seemed to me, in somehow, a sort of metaphor for everything that's going on in your stories about America, which is that uh, somehow these uh, Chinese immigrants who are living a very tough life somehow land on their feet. Sure. Or, the, or the hope is they're yeah. going to tumble, but they'll land yeah. on their feet. And I wonder if that's um, a, a sort of optimism that you were aware of when you were writing the stories, or that you feel, or that it, you feel it's more complicated, that, that despite all the problems, there is a potential to land on your feet. Yes, I think I, I was aware of the, 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 the implications of the story. And as an individual story, it may sound or may feel optimistic. But as the final piece for the pro for the book, I think it is a necessary note because I do believe there is a space, a lot of space in the United States for the immigrants to survive and to live a decent life. Uh, I think, in other words, they can land on their feet. That that's the truthful statement. I do believe in that. Even in the story, there is a, a woman who who is in who who's has a lot of affection for this uh, this monk. That was uh, based upon the, the, the true actual uh, happening. Uh, in fact, the, there was a monk who committed suicide, but it was the woman who loved him that blew the whistle uh, and made it known to others. Uh, she basically exposed the, the, the corruption within the temple. She told uh, uh, the media. So there was a woman like that, uh, very uh, really loving and warm, and that made uh, the monk's life less lonely. There are two monks in, in actual happening. One killed himself, and another broke his leg. Huh. So I, I just uh, uh, lean on the one who didn't finish the job. Huh, interesting. <laughs> we were talking earlier before we came out here. I was saying that I couldn't help but think of the stories of Bernard Malamud that yeah. popped into my mind when yeah. you were reading your stories because they record an immigrant experience yeah. with certain similar conflicts between old world values, new world values, but of course 70 years earlier. But of course yours are, um, you know, and, and one would in fact think of any writer who concentrates on an immigrant community 
Um, what do you think uh, separates the Chinese immigrant experience, makes it, uh, what, what appeals to your imagination? Because you return again and again to these conflicts and contrasts yeah. in, in some way. You know, Mahmoud is all, was always a presence. In fact, the story, the good fall, originally was called a magic fall. And then when I put the, the, the book, the, the stories together, I realized this echoed, this echoed the magic barrel. It was too much. <laughs> right. There was no way to avoid him because the, the New York City is his, was his territory. And, and the, the immigrant experience was his uh, uh, strong suit. So there was no way for me to avoid the influence. But I, on the other hand, the influence, influences are good, I think, because by being influenced by different authors, different masters, you, you, get, you, become, uh, you create, you mix them together, and then you create something uh, that can, might be somewhat uh, different. And in fact, there's another American master, a minor master, uh, uh, Richard Yates, uh, he wrote a story collection called Eleven Kinds of Loneliness. That was also a heavy influence. Uh, that the stories about, I think I learned a lot of see how patiently he stroke by stroke wrote, finished his stories. He was not that kind of brilliant writer, but there was enormous amount of patience, uh, attention to small things in his stories. And that was another uh, uh, influence. But I think among the Chinese uh, immigrants, the difference uh, between the Chinese and Jews, it's very hard to, to general, uh, generalize. But I think language was a big thing because the Chinese language, the language is so different from English. It's very, just like uh, two poles. <laughs> it's completely different. Uh, so as, as a result, uh, very often, um, language becomes the, the major obstacle in their daily life. In fact, in the stories, it's clear that there are Chinese who can speak English. As a result, they, they, become, they become exploiters of, of fellow immigrants. That happened very often. In fact, in the in American uh, literary history, uh, it happened in Bill Cather's work as well. So the, there has been tradition. Language is a power. And there are lots of characters who are blocked in one way or another yes. because they can't pass the TEFL. Yes, um, yes. You know, that was a big deal. Yes. Yes. They want to, to See, that's just a small thing. A few pages work. You can't do it. Then basically your life will be kept in a different category. Yes. So there are a lot of things like that. Religion, I think that's another part. Uh, because religions were suppressed in China for many decades. But the longing inside these people were there. So as a result, once they are exposed to the freedom of religion, it's very hard for them to handle that. Very hard, very hard. Whereas among Jewish immigrants, religion basically is intact, I think. Right. And so that is always available throughout history. But to a lot of the Chinese immigrants, this was, uh, it was very confusing. So as a result, when I live in the South, in fact, there were some Chinese immigrants who joined the church. They became somewhat fanatic, very obsessed with the church activities. As a result, some churches basically urged them to leave. And <laughs> and they are very, very too passionate, too passionate to tell us. It's amazing. <laughs> there are... Um, 
I think maybe one, maybe two occasions in the book of stories where the same character appears in, uh -huh. in a couple uh -huh. of stories. You create a very rich and broad world, mm. different immigrants, different mm. jobs, different status. Mm. Uh, were you tempted um, to um, have more characters yeah. flow through into yeah. other stories? Yeah. Um, you know, the musician, I think, sure. appears. Yeah. In, yeah. Yeah. And in fact, among all my stories, uh, two works, uh, I mean, classics, uh, uh, The Dubliners, and the Weisberg, Ohio. These two books are really uh, the, the prime type, uh, primary models of my work. And, but I think in Weisberg, Ohio, there were ministers, uh, ministers who appeared several times. The newspaper man appears yeah. in mean, many stories. So that's I think uh, that's common uh, to this kind of collection because everything, every piece is set in the same place. So some characters can appear. But I didn't let many characters, only one character, who yeah. was a director, a theater director, yeah. who appeared, a very minor <laughs> character, because I wanted to uh, use the space to make uh, the, uh, a, a variety, to present a variety of characters. And in fact, a collection of short story has a much larger cast than a novel, because you have so many from different angles Every story must have its own cast. As a result, I think it can serve better in presenting a, a community. Whereas a novel, basically, you have to, basically you try to uh, fully portray the protagonist's mind. So it's a different kind of function. Yes. So in that sense, I just want to bring in as many people as possible. All right. Um, and I really want to thank uh, Haji so much for uh, being with us today. It was really thank, you. thank you. Thank you.